The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. We're going to read starting at verse 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Lord, thank you for um, this evening and just the opportunity to give thanks and praise to you. Father, we most certainly should always be giving thanks. This is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus, that we give thanks in everything. And so, Father, we pray even tonight as we spend just a few minutes thinking about this, this text, that you, would, that you would work a deep gratitude within our hearts for our Savior who has cleansed us from all our sins. And so we pray for the help of your Holy Spirit. We pray that through this text, you would show us how much we owe. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul Tripp writes these words. He says, the universal language of a fallen world is grumbling. The universal language of a fallen world is grumbling. Complaint is more natural than gratitude. Dissatisfaction more natural than contentment. And want more natural than worship. So in this, in this passage, um, there's, a, there's a broader context in, in Luke as we come up to this, this story about the ten lepers. And what's been going on, in fact, going back for a few chapters now, is that Jesus has been instructing his disciples, and of course the Pharisees are right there too. And you can go back and you can see um, Jesus starting in, in chapter 15, and he tells the, the parable of, 
of, um, you know, of the lost coin and the lost sheep and then the lost son. And of course, there's, there's a reason um, why he starts telling those stories, those parables, is because there were publicans and prostitutes and run-of-the-mill sinners who were there, and then there were Pharisees that were there. And in fact, when Jesus tells the parable of what we call the prodigal son, it really is, um, in a sense, not so much about the prodigal as it is uh, a rebuke to the Pharisees who were the older brother. Okay? We could call it the parable of the older brother, right? Uh, in fact, it's the father's generosity to the prodigal that simply gives, um, in a sense, a cause for the older brother's jealousy and self-righteousness to come out. And then Jesus continues and he tells, he, he continues to instruct, he continues to give um, this teaching. And again, you, you have this, this contrast between Jesus' disciples, who are people that, that know that they're sinners, and then you've got the Pharisees that, that just simply believe that they are good in and of themselves. And so the Pharisees had the privilege, think about this, the Pharisees had the privilege of hearing the very words of the Son of God. The Pharisees actually had the privilege of seeing miracles wrought by the power of God's Son. Um, Publicans and sinners and outcasts and prostitutes heard the same thing that the Pharisees did. They saw the same things that the Pharisees did. And the Pharisees respond, of course, consistently, how? With grumbling, with complaining, with dissatisfaction. And here's one of the things that you end up noticing in this in this larger section of Luke, is that the grumbling, the complaining, and the murmuring of the Pharisees, they were and are the majority. Think about that. They were, and in a sense still are, the majority. But there were others that responded with gratitude. There were others that, that were impacted by the things that Jesus did and the things that Jesus said. And they responded with a genuine, wholehearted thankfulness. Now, in a sense, sort of the, the context of Jesus' teaching gets interrupted by this, and I say interrupted, gets interrupted by this now story about these 10 lepers. So you've had a number of chapters of teaching and then, and he's, and it's going to resume after this. And you end up having this um, almost sort of this insert of this, this picture and, and commentators are, are kind of funny groups of people because they, they go on and on and on about how in the world do you go from discourse to discourse to discourse and then you interrupt it with a story like this. And I read it and I think, I don't think it's that hard after all. It's the perfect illustration of what happens every time Jesus teaches or does a miracle. 
And so here's this, this wonderful picture. Jesus is, is traveling. He's on his way to Jerusalem, which is sort of the, uh, Luke has this marvelous um, a travel theme of Jesus making his way up to Jerusalem. And <clears throat> there's something that is really wonderful that happens, and that is he's, he's about to enter into a village. He's entering this village, and here are these 10 lepers, and they, now, they stand at a distance, but they go out to meet him, right? So these 10 lepers would have been completely outside of the town limits, all right? They would have lived on the outskirts. In fact, the 10 may well have been sort of their own little leper colony that was outside of the city. They start to hear rumblings that Jesus is coming, and they, with a determination, now they keep the distance because they don't want to be stoned by the crowds for getting too close, all right? But they... They insinuate themselves as Jesus enters into the town. Notice they don't give Jesus the opportunity to go and uh, sit down and uh, relax. They don't give Jesus the opportunity to go and have a meal. They don't give Jesus the opportunity for a good night's sleep. They are seizing the opportunity because the Son of God is coming. And so they position themselves and here are these lepers. Now, One of them we know is a Samaritan, which may imply something about the other nine, right? What may be implied about the other nine? They're Jewish, all right? Now, as lepers, (laughs) they're all kind of on the same ground, right? It's not like if you have your own little tin... 10-person leper colony, and you got one Samaritan that you're kind of like, yeah, we're better than you. No, all, all our flesh is getting eaten away. All right, we're, we're all equal. Uh, we're equal outcasts. We're equally unclean. We're equally unfit to be among the people. And of course, just a, a brief exposure to the Bible makes you realize that leprosy itself was a picture of the horror of the contamination and the corruption of sin, right? And so Jesus enters the town and these 10 guys position themselves and they begin to shout. They are raising their voice and what are they saying? And it's really interesting, Jesus, master, notice, have mercy on us. So in their equal footing as lepers, they're also equally desperate, right? I mean, leprosy was a lonely death sentence in the ancient world. And so they're, they're, they're encouraged. Jesus is coming. They, what, do they, what do you think they know about Jesus as they're crying, Master, have mercy on us? They've heard that this Jesus of Nazareth is a compassionate healer, and savior. And so they are going to make the most of their opportunity. And notice they don't cry out, Lord Jesus, heal us. They cry out, 
Jesus have mercy on us. Now, most certainly in the cry for Jesus to have mercy on them, uh, it was a cry for healing. But you have to admit that that cry is is for more than just healing, right? There, there are times where people just, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And Lord, I want to be clean. Or Lord, I want my sight. And here, it's not Jesus, heal us of our leprosy. It's Jesus, master, have mercy on us. It's a, it's a moving picture. Verse 14, Jesus sees them, and he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this when you're reading the Gospels. Jesus says all kinds of stuff that you're not expecting him to say, right? In fact, Jesus says things that sometimes are surprising, other times shocking, and often unexpected. So what would you expect for Jesus? He hears, he he sees the 10 lepers, let's say they're, you know, 50 yards off, and here's 10 of them, and just this sad, pathetic, heart-wrenching scene of of, of poor, diseased humanity. They're crying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus stops and he speaks to him. What would you expect him to say? Be healed, <laughs> right? It's kind of what you would expect. Instead, he says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, <clears throat> you have to understand that Jesus is telling them to do something which is in accordance with the law of Moses. But they're still lepers. <laughs> who was it that went and showed themselves to the priests? Those who thought maybe their leprosy was gone. Jesus actually says, go and show yourself to the priests. And so in a sense, as a Leon Morris, he says, Jesus was putting their faith to the test by asking these men to act as though they'd already been cured. So when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, seems a little premature, Lord. I mean, don't don't you think you should just kind of like heal us first and then we'll go show the priest, right? And there's no, um, in a sense, push back, they, they turn around and they start to walk off. Now, of course, it would have been way easier for Jesus just to say, be healed and now go show yourself to the priest. But instead, he just, in a sense, bypasses the be healed part and says, go show yourself to the priest. Matthew Henry makes this, um, this wonderful observation. He says, those that expect Christ's favors must take them in his way and his method. Some of these lepers perhaps would have been ready to quarrel with the prescription. Let him either cure or say that he will not, but don't send us to the priests on a fool's errand. But overruled by the rest, they all went to the priest. So as they turn around and start to head off, and of course, Matthew Henry brings up something. There's no way to know this for sure. 
these guys lived, probably lived together in, in their little leper community. They had obviously plucked up the courage together to go seek Jesus. But don't you think there might have been at least a few out of the ten? Do you remember what happened when Naaman was told? He, remember Naaman the leper? Go wash in the Jordan seven times. And of course he says, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There are ten rivers in Syria that are cleaner than the Jordan. As if actually that had anything to do with anything. And of course the little slave girl convinces him to go and to do it. But here's, here's the thing. is You could imagine maybe some of the ten saying, I'm not going. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What am I going to go show the priest? That I still have leprosy? Maybe, just maybe, if you just use a little sanctified imagination, maybe it was the Samaritan that was like, no, come on, guys, let's, what do we have to lose, right? And so as they start to head off and to go show themselves to the priest, as they're walking, they're healed. Now, I want you to, I, I, hope, I hope that when you read um, your Bible and your reading, especially narrative and the Gospels in particular, I hope that you read with enough sanctified imagination to, to kind of put this into the perspective of you've got these 10 guys, they turn around, uh, maybe a little disappointed that Jesus does, just didn't say be healed, and as they're walking to show themselves to the priests, um, they start like, hey, Joe, um, your hand doesn't look like it's going to fall off anymore, right? Or uh, Sammy, short for Samuel, that big nasty spot on your forehead is getting smaller by the second, right? And as they're walking, they end up being cleansed. And it is absolutely, I mean, can you just imagine being one of those lepers? If you were a leper, you were an absolute outcast. You were cut off from your family. You had no contact with anybody other than other lepers, which, which is what makes the leper in Mark 2 so incredibly stunning, is that he comes directly to Jesus, close enough for Jesus to touch him, Right? And so here are these men and they're walking and all of a sudden the very disease that had, that had ruined their lives, the very disease that had made them outcasts, the very disease that had robbed them of family life and, and really even of religious life, you can't, you can't go to the temple if you're a leper, okay? All of a sudden now they're healed of leprosy. It's an amazing story. But verse 15 says, Now one of them, when he saw that he'd been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. Again, here are the ten. They're walking to go show themselves to the priests. They start to realize that they're cleansed. And as they realize that they're cleansed, 
Can you imagine the excitement? The relief. Nine of these guys do what? Well, I mean, why do you think they didn't turn back? They ran home. They were running to show their wife. They were running to show their family. They were, they were so excited as, as to what had happened. And so they were relieved. And no doubt they made haste to their friends and to their family. And in, in a sense, so fixed were they on their own healing and thus their own happiness that they end up forgetting the very one who had just done it for them. But one guy turns back. And again, you have to, you have to appreciate the, 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 the scene. These guys are healed. They start to realize that they're cured and they begin to look at each other and they begin to scatter in different directions so that they can share the good news. I'm healed. I'm cured. I'm cleansed with friends and family. And here's this one guy. And he turns back around in the very direction of the one who had just healed him. And as he does, he goes back. Don't miss this. <laughs> Notice he didn't wait to be certified by the priest. <laughs> right? He makes his way back, and with a loud voice, he's glorifying God. Okay? So... You can think of it this way. Here's this one guy, one leper, and the cord of gratitude is struck in his heart, and it is struck hard. All of the sudden, it's not simply a matter of, I'm healed. It's not just a matter that I've been cleansed. It is This one, this Jesus that I just said, Jesus, master, have mercy on me. He actually has had mercy on me in a way that that far exceeded anything I could have ever expected from him. And he begins to return to Jesus with a loud voice glorifying God. And you could imagine that the, you know, maybe some of the, the Presbyterians among them were like, hey, that guy must be a charismatic, shh. It's not what we are around here. And this guy is just shouting glory to God. He's praising God. I mean, maybe even, you know, glory to the son of David. I've been healed. He showed me mercy. And he comes back. No doubt. Don't you think that the crowds probably kind of stopped when they... You know, I mean, maybe, maybe the crowds are sitting there and they see the 10 guys go off and they're like, yeah, poor saps. What are they going to do? Go show the priest that they still have leprosy. Now, all of a sudden they're healed and they see him scattering. And then they see this guy coming back and he's shouting, he's praising God. He's glorifying God. And he comes right back up to the Lord Jesus. Now, remember distance before now he comes and falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. And he gives thanks. What a scene. In, in, in my mind, I see it something like this. He's shouting. He's overwhelmed. He's praising God. And as he's coming back to the Lord Jesus, he sees 
the very one that just healed him and he, he falls at his feet as an act of worship, an act of affectionate gratitude. And he says, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Maybe through tears and sobs. Thank you. You showed mercy to me. And then the text says, and he was a Samaritan. You like the way that kind of gets thrown right in there? Here's this beautiful moving scene. And he was a Samaritan. Of course, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans were the the half-breeds as the result of the Assyrian invasion of 722 BC. They um, didn't believe the whole Old Testament. They, They had a mixture in their religion, and there was... In fact, remember what Jesus ends up doing back in Luke chapter 10. He tells a parable of a guy that actually helped somebody, and it wasn't a Levite, and it wasn't a priest, and it wasn't one of their kind. It was a Samaritan. And so here's this Samaritan, and it's a Samaritan that receives mercy. It's a Samaritan who was cleansed. Now, Jesus is, (laughs) he doesn't say in verse 17, you're welcome. He says, weren't there 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Now, I have a feeling that the Samaritan, as he's, as he's fallen on his face at the feet of the Son of God, expressing his gratitude, he's probably thinking, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care where they are. I know where I am. That's, that's all that matters to me. But Jesus, of course, is making a point. Where are the nine? And so then he says to him, stand up, go. Your faith has made you well. More literally, your faith has saved you. And here's, here's what is, is, is unfolding before our eyes in this story of the one leper who returns. And... Um, these are, these are the words of another uh, New Testament commentator. Jesus is probably saying that although the ten have experienced the blessing of healing, only one has faith and has turned to establish ties with Jesus that indicate the presence of salvation. All ten received the blessing that they were looking for. Only one had the cord of gratitude struck in his heart in such a way that he returns to Jesus to attach himself to the Son of God. He goes on, he says, the deliverance Jesus affirms here is greater than the healing the man has experienced. He's learned everything the miracle can teach him. Faith and salvation again merge One of the things that we see in the gospel accounts over and over and over again is this, is that forgiveness is more important than healing. 
does the Son of God heal? The answer is yes. But here's the point. The greater miracle is not that 10 were cured of leprosy. The greater miracle is that one returned with faith and gratitude. That's the greater miracle. And so Jesus tells this man, your faith has saved you. He had a better story to tell than the other nine. Because he went back to Jesus. Pretty good story for, uh, you know, at, uh, at Rotary. Hey, haven't seen you in about 15 years. Yeah, I was living in that little leper colony. Really, what are you doing here? Oh, some guy said, uh, go show myself to the priest. And as I was walking off, I got cleansed. Cool. The other guy? What happened? I haven't seen you in years. I encountered the Son of God who showed mercy to me. He not only healed me of my leprosy, he has saved my soul. So as we sit here, nice and comfortable, here's the thing that all of us need to remember tonight. All of us are lepers. All of us are outsiders. All of us in and of ourselves are unworthy and unclean. Have you actually come to grips with that? Outsider. Unclean. You know, what's interesting is that your conscience and my conscience bears witness to our own hearts of what? Of our own uncleanness before God. That's all of us. There's a great passage in Lamentations 3 where the prophet says, Why should any living mortal offer complaint in view of his sins? Come to grips with the fact that each one of us deserve to be eternal outcasts. There's a lot of nice people here tonight. People that I enjoy hanging out with, but there's not a single one of us that don't have a corrupt heart that deserves to be cast out from the presence of God forever. If you don't know that about yourself, you just don't know yourself. So come to grips with what we deserve. I don't think very many, maybe some of you remember our, um, our first deacon, Ernie Keenel. Say, Ernie, how are you doing? Answer was always the same. Better than I deserve. And so not only do we go, okay, that's me. I know that's me. I feel the weight of that. 
I feel the weight of if, if God were to have left me to myself, I would be hopeless. I'd be, I'd be the kind of person that, that would be pitiable. I'd be the kind of person that, that would be the outcast. I would be the, the kind of person that was the sinner, the publican, the prostitute. I'd be that person that was completely the outsider, unclean, defiled in and of my own sin. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ is a glorious savior and he saves and he saves on his own terms. He does good to, to all 10 of them, but then there is that one And it's that one who tastes and sees that the Lord is good. And it is that one that actually begins to realize what had just truly happened to him. There could, there's just this wonderful sense that, that the reality of I've just received mercy that goes beyond the healing of my flesh must have landed on him like a ton of bricks. I'm an object of mercy. Jesus the Savior loves me. He's cleansed me. The wonder of being able to lay your head down at night and go to sleep and to know I'm clean before God because of the blood of Jesus. There's no, there's no substitute for that. And as a result, his praise was loud. In Daniel's prayer on Sunday, he said something that caught my attention. He asked God that our praise would not be tame. If you're the one that's received mercy, I just find it really hard to imagine mumbling through God's praise. His praise was loud. His gratitude was speedy. There was singular focus. He didn't much care about decorum at this point. And so it is a thankful heart and a mouthful of praise that is the most appropriate response for cleansed Lepers. By the way, if this is, if this cleansing, if this forgiveness is the only thing that Jesus ever did for us, would it not be enough in itself to elicit our praise through all eternity? And so Paul Tripp again, the universal language of a fallen world is grumbling. Complaint is more natural than gratitude. Dissatisfaction more natural than contentment. Want more natural than worship. I close with this. The universal language of the salvation of a ruined sinner is gratitude. And praise should be more natural to us than complaint. And contentment more natural to us than dissatisfaction. And worship more natural than want. May we be that one. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for this powerful reminder of the importance of having truly grateful hearts for what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we pray even tomorrow as we gather on our Thanksgiving holiday that our mouths would be filled with your praise. May we be so overwhelmed with what it means to be a cleansed child of God that we fall at the feet of Jesus and tell him thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a savior of the outcast and the unclean. We give you praise. Amen. We hope that you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Grace Community Church, please visit us online at gracenevada.com. That's gracenevada.com dot com.